are listening to Cinema 5000, a podcast where I, Mallory, uh, just watch the movies and tell you about them. This is my show about me watching movies and trying to get to the number of 5,000 movies I have seen via Letterboxd. And in this episode, I'm going to talk to you about three movies I have recently seen. The first one I'm going to talk about is I Want You Back. This is a 2022 release that you can now see on Amazon Prime. I believe it's a streaming ex- exclusive for them. And it stars Jenny Slate, Charlie Day, Scott Eastwood, and Gina Rodriguez. And it is a story about two folks, Jenny Slate and Charlie Day, who have recently been dumped by their exes. And these two characters end up getting together and decide, hey, we should try to stop our exes from being happy in their now current relationships and maybe get back together with them. We'll just, you know, scheme together. The opposite sees the other person's ex in some scenario and, you know, tries to ruin their life. So these characters are Peter and Emma, Charlie Day, uh, Jenny Slate, and this is kind of a standard romantic comedy. I mean, there's no real surprises in this one, though I will say for a movie that is almost two hours long and got some formula elements to it, I found it fairly enjoyable. It could have been a little shorter, though at the same time, uh, I liked where the story went when it came to Jenny Slate's character, and I did enjoy how Scott Eastwood's character played off of Charlie Day's character, uh, because Jenny Slate is is very quirky, and Charlie Day pretty much plays Charlie Day, though as the story moved on, I felt like this the script gave these characters enough to work with to establish their personalities, their quirks, I'm not going to say quirk again, I promise, <laughs> and how relationships work for these people. Because we soon learn that Scott Eastwood's character maybe broke up with Jenny Slate's character, Emma, because he didn't really see, like, he didn't, he didn't feel like she was having a good time in the relationship, and he didn't want her to be unhappy. And for Charlie Day, um, he does find that his ex-girlfriend, Gina Rodriguez, you know, is into a relationship and trying to be more open-minded and maybe that brings them back together well you'll have to watch and see the movie yourself i did rate the movie three out of five stars i found it fairly enjoyable like i said so i do recommend i want you back which is directed by jason orley and now a few words for those who love the fish called once. Fletcher make me puke. This year's British comedy hit is Blame It on the Bellboy. With all the action, <laughs> sex, Good Lord. and danger of a sophisticated British comedy. Hollywood Pictures presents Dudley Moore, Brian Brown, and Bronson Pinchot in this year's hottest import. And they throw in a woman to boot. Blame It on the Bellboy, rated PG-13. Starts Friday, March 6th at a theater near you. I have heard of this movie mainly because when I was a small kid, I saw the poster for it on the front of the video store I used to go to when I was, I don't know, five, six, seven years old. I lived in upstate New York in the middle of nowhere, and we didn't really have a lot to do. We didn't go to the movies much, but we did go to the video store a lot as a family thing, like every weekend. We all went and we picked up movies. And I remember distinctly seeing the poster for Blame It on the Bellboy on the front of the store. And I recognized Bronson Pinchot on the cover 
of that poster. And I was like, huh, Bronson Pinchot. I know him from Perfect Strangers, a TV show I very much enjoyed as a young child. Though I never saw the film and I also never made an effort to see it either. And the only reason I really watched it recently, despite having some kind of weird desire to maybe see it someday, was because I went to my local library and they had a physical copy of it on DVD and I said, ha, I guess now is the time when I get to watch Blame It On The Bellboy. So here's the thing about Blame It On The Bellboy. It sucks. It's not good. It's not that funny. But all things considered in the realm of British comedies with some familiar faces, we've got Dudley Moore, Brian Brown, who you might remember from Cocktail, and we have Richard Griffiths, who, who I think at this, I think, I do believe he recently passed away. He was in the Harry Potter movies and a bunch of other things. If you see the guy, you'll be like, oh, I know him for so many things. It also has Patsy Kensett, who hasn't been in a lot of movies lately, but I recognize from some 90s British films. Uh, but this is just a silly romp of a film where three different people with similar sounding last names, but not really. Only if you are foreign and goofy like the bellboy in question, uh, <laughs> he makes some mistakes when it comes to delivering different envelopes. And so one person who thinks that they're going to go buy a property ends up at a location where there's this criminal who... Uh, the criminal thinks he's come to assassinate him, and that's not the case. That's a mix-up. And then this guy thinks he's going to this date with this woman, and it turns out he wasn't going to meet a woman for a date. He was going to look at a house, and the realtor, who was going to show them him the house, and isn't on the date with him, is a, and is a woman, so he's thinking, oh, she wants to be with me, and all this crazy stuff. And then this hitman guy, who was going to go kill the it's other dude he goes on a date it's just a bunch of goofy goofy stuff happening very much uh in the realm of the 80s 90s british films that are just so so with recognizable faces and uh yeah post a fish called wanda in the world so i don't recommend blaming on the bellboy it's pretty bad it's not that funny but at the same time that it is a very bad movie it, from start to finish, had an actual plot. Uh, the characters were, they were, they were drawn as terrible as some of them were. You understood their motivations. Um, and I'll say Dudley Moore wasn't that bad in the film. He had some, you know, obvious goofy stuff happening, but uh, I mean, I, he's a likable character in the film. So those are my thoughts on Blame It on the Bellboy from 1992, directed by Mark Herman. A couple nights ago, I got the chance to see Drive My Car, the new film by Rosuki Hamaguchi that is currently up for four Academy Awards, as you may know, but if you don't, it's nominated for Best Picture and Best Director, and that's excellent because it's not every day that a movie from Japan gets nominated for Best Picture. Uh, Drive My Car is the story of Yusuke Kafuku. He's a stage actor and director who is very well known for his direction and acting in the play Uncle Vanya, and he has been invited to a theater festival in Hiroshima. There he is going to be directing the play, not starring in it, and he is asked to surrender his 
beloved red sob car when he gets there because they don't want him driving around. They don't want him driving around because of things I'm not going to tell you about. I'm going to try not to spoil this film much because I think it's something you should just see and let it unfold for yourself as you watch it. And the driver of the film, the, the driver of the car that is, <laughs> is this young woman named Misaki Watari. And she is in her early 20s while the man she is driving, Mr. Kafuku, he is in his late 40s, like maybe 50 or so. And these two aren't necessarily there to get along at the beginning. She's just driving him and he's just her passenger. But as things uh, start to develop when it comes to the play and who is cast and the developments of the story and how Mr. Kofuku is directing his actors, he learns more things about himself through this cast as well as through his driver, Misaki. Drive My Car is a really beautiful film. I, like I said, don't want to spoil much about it, but it's something about loss and people and how we talk and interact. And the direction by Rusuki Hamaguchi is really fantastic. It's not only just a beautiful movie to watch, but it's a really beautiful story as it tells you things about these characters through the play and the different ways that they interact and what they know about each other and their experiences in life. And, you know, it's about people. There's not much to say other than that. Uh, I really appreciated the drama that developed between the characters. Uh, the performances were all were all really compelling. There's no weak link. And when it came down to the ending of the film, um, there was a certain actor within the play who I think added a lot in an unconventional way, but in a way that you know really shouldn't surprise you. There's a lot of uses of silences. And one thing I'll mention is that this character who is cast in the play is mute. So she can hear, but she does not talk. So she uses Korean sign language to contribute to the play in one of the parts. And I thought that was a really beautiful way to convey how people with, you know, not typical language skills can contribute to not just interactions between people, but through art and through this play and with the performance. Um, it's, it's a really beautiful, unique film that tells a very universal story, which is a bit of a cliche thing to, thing to say, but it's it's true. This is it's a really beautiful art film, um, and I hope you all get the chance to see it soon, if not in a theater. Um, it is coming to HBO Max in early March, but considering it's Oscar season and it's nom nominated for a number of Oscars, there's always a good chance that your local cinema will get it because we're coming close to Oscar season, and at least in my experience, some of the larger chains will take a chance on seeing showing this kind of movie so the audiences could see it like other nominated films that are out there um, the theater I saw this at was a local theater I hadn't been to in almost three years it's a performance arts venue though they sometimes show movies not as much as they used to uh, back when I was younger in my teen years and early 20s they would show art films all the time anything you could think of they would show it but nowadays it's just one showing and that's not just because of COVID and what has happened in the last couple of years. It's just the way things have gone for their business. But I, uh, I really appreciate the fact that I got to see Drive My Car in a theater and have this experience in, in a movie that has, you know, so many silences where people are telling the story with their faces and their emotions rather than verbally. Um, I, I appreciate that so much about filmmaking and what it can do for people and how it shows you know, ways you can tell stories. Uh, when the film was done, I, uh, I, th I originally had thought I would sit in my car and talk about it, you know, talking in my car about drive my car, but 
I wasn't quite sure how I felt about it yet. I knew I was feeling positive things about it, though at the same time, I didn't really know how I wanted to, you know, convey that to you. So, uh, I guess that's how I feel about driving my car. Very positive. Very, very positive. And, uh, I hope you all get to see it soon and hopefully have a great experience it. And, uh, if this isn't for the movie for you, that's okay. I mean, it's a three hour Japanese film about people talking about their emotions. That's not something for everybody, though. I really hope it is because, the language of film, this is going to sound really corny, the language of film is a universal one, so it shouldn't really matter what country a movie is from or who is in it. But yes, that is how I feel about Drive My Car. And I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. I hope this is maybe not your first time listening. And if it is, thank you so much for listening. And if you want to subscribe, I'm on Spotify. And if you are looking for me elsewhere, you can actually go to my Twitter, Cinema5K, that's cinema, the word, and then number five and a K. I will be posting links to additional podcast uh, apps and providers in the future. The RSS link is on there in case you want to add it to your current favorite podcast app or provider. And I hope that in the future we'll talk more about what kinds of new and different things are going out there in film because next week I am having more of a pointed focus on what movies I'm going to talk about. I have decided that my next episode is going to be only about recent releases from a certain streaming provider and I will let you know all about that information on the next podcast. So again, this is Mallory. Thank you so much for listening and take care.